and welcome back to another episode in our teen health series. My name is Amrita Mumiri and I will be doing a series of shows with different experts in different health fields as a public educational resource so you can learn more about your mental and physical health. Well, our next guest is Dr. Murdila Rao. Dr. Rao is a double board certified psychiatrist and specializes in the treatment of adult, adolescent, and child psychiatric disorders. She's also a clinical assistant professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center, San Antonio. Dr. Rao has been practicing psychiatry for over 25 years and is a member of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry in the American Psychiatric Association and the Association of Women Psychiatrists. She serves on multiple public committees to advance mental health services to increase access to mental health resources for the city of San Antonio and its neighboring counties. We are so honored to have Dr. Rao on our show today. Um, well, Dr. Rao is here with us on air. Good morning and welcome to our show. Hi, good morning, Amrita. Thank you for inviting me. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, let's start start off with a little bit about you and your passion for medicine and promoting mental health, especially in um, children and adolescents. What got you so interested in mental health? So I started medical school with the intent to go into child and adolescent psychiatry. Um, primarily, um, the decision came about after my brother died by suicide. Uh, mm -hmm. that was, uh, almost, uh, I would say, about 30 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, that's, that was my, um, I would say, that's when the interest started. Yeah. And how yeah. uh, it, it, it impacts uh, the survivors. And mm -hmm. um, I am a big uh, a proponent to mental health because of my background and what I and, and see what uh, what how it's impacted people. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it's all about preventive measures. And I, I went into medical school for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in today's time and age, um, what are some of the more like commonly seen mental health issues in teenagers, and why do you think they are the most common? Um, before I start off with my presentation, I do want to uh, mention a disclaimer uh, mm -hmm. that the information given here is not intended for diagnosing or treatment, and mm -hmm. I want that uh, this is uh, not liable for any information that's given at this presentation. Um, so the um, the interested um, audience, uh, please contact your physician for your personal health-related questions. So that's the disclaimer that I have that I feel like it's important to mention to the mm -hmm. audience. Definitely, so, yeah. Uh, in regard to your question, the most common, uh, I would say, mental, in the youth, the mental illnesses are depression and anxiety. Anxiety mm -hmm. is seen more um, prevalent. It has a higher prevalence than depression. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say uh, depression is maybe in the 15% or so prevalence in the youth, and anxiety could be as high as close to 20 to 30%. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite a bit um, higher. Anxiety mm -hmm. is the, uh, not just in youth, but in general population, anxiety mm -hmm. is much more prevalent. And there are right. different forms of anxiety. 
uh, when I say anxiety, but uh, that's another topic by itself. But um, I just want you to know that anxiety is very, very common uh, mm-hmm. globally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's important to recognize those symptoms. Um, quite often, you, people, um, when their child, their youth is um, acting different from their baseline, they think it's just um, hormonal or it's just, you know, part of age group or some setback, but they don't really, they don't get the full gist of what the, their child is going through. So it's so important to know. If there's a base, if there's a change from the baseline, and you know your child at baseline, and there's a change from baseline, investigate. Take time to talk to your child. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, the biggest setback that happens at at home, um, it starts at home. You know, uh, yeah. it, we often um, say this is such a big taboo about mental health, but it starts at home, talking um, and explaining and educating your child. Uh, starts with the parents. Uh, yeah, the absolutely. Parents be educated about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, are there any like physiological or maybe genetic reasons for depression? Sure, uh, they are. They are. Um, there is a genetic uh, predisposition. There's a family history. Um, mm-hmm. Some factors that increase the risk of mental illnesses is um, family history. Just because mm-hmm. you have doesn't mean you're going to end up uh, expressing that gene and that you will have the presentation of um, symptoms of mental illness, but family history is is a contributing factor. And also environmental stressors uh, could be also uh, have uh, your gene to be expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we call that epigenetic uh, theory, and that's mm-hmm. where the environmental factors like stress, or night shifts, you know, for people who work at night or for kids who are in multiple AP classes and they're not sleeping through the night, um, that's also a trigger. Um, Mm -hmm. If the kids are overloaded with, you know, with activities and, and, you know, many kids in this day and time, they don't have much downtime. Kids who want to do well in life, they start working, you know, much harder from elementary school on. Um, Mm -hmm. Classes are now in middle school, so... It's, it is, that is a big environmental factor for the children in the, in the youth. Right. And mm-hmm. certain sides like, uh, you know, substance abuse, inactive, uh, you know, uh, physical activity, um, poor eating, obesity. These are all triggers that right. modify certain gene expressions by turning the genes on or off. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that uh, brain chemistry that's affected because of the environmental stressors. Um, okay, that's yeah. Theory. And uh, it's, it's also important to know that when you say environmental, it could be, you know, violence, abuse that you encounter um, growing up in a family that um, with poor communication and that brings on fearfulness and anxiety in a child. Mm-hmm. You keep a child to be afraid of things and that's where the anxiety comes on and, and, and depression can follow along yeah. with that. Yeah. Absolutely, so, yeah. So what are some of the more common symptoms that, like, parents can watch for in their children who are um, going through, like, mental stress or depression or anxiety? So there's quite a lot of overlap between depression and anxiety um, Mm -hmm. that you're going to see or that you're going to hear when I Mm -hmm. present them to you. But I want you to know that 
when you have depression and it's unresolved, doesn't get treated, it can evolve into anxiety as well or vice versa. So anxiety and depression have some overlap in their symptomatology. So Mm -hmm. when someone's depressed, uh, it could be just a normal reaction, you know, sad feelings, being angry, being upset. You know, you don't have to diagnose it to be a depression. You know, it it it, it needs to meet the quality, the the frequency, um, the intensity all make up uh, the diagnosis of depression. Uh-huh. And if they're compromised with their functioning from their baseline, that would encompass a, an actual disorder, whether uh-huh. it's anxiety disorder, whether it's depression disorder. Uh-huh. So, not everyone meets the criteria for depression. If someone is sad, doesn't mean you're depressed. I mean, I mean, right. you could say depressed, but not formally diagnose them of depression or an anxiety disorder. So mm-hmm. um, some of the symptoms to look for when, when you see uh, an individual, whether, whether it's youth or an adult, is change from uh, the mood being changed from baseline. Um, yeah. Someone who can tolerate some things normally, they don't seem to tolerate them as well. They're frustrated and they're getting agitated for, you know, things that getting agitated out of proportion to things that should be um, agitated Mm -hmm. or frustrated. Their mindset changes, their inner voice about life changes. So how they, you know, how they um, converse with you, um, just be mindful that, you know, their outlook has changed, uh, you know, has, has changed or is it changing, you know, and behavior is overall out of character than Mm -hmm. what they normally uh, are at baseline. If there's someone who enjoys getting out, socializing, and they're withdrawing, they're in the room more, it's Mm -hmm. not because teenagers and they want to have privacy, it could be something else. So just explore that with with, with the youth. Um, Hopeless, helpless feelings is something that they might harbor inside and not be willing to disclose. So it's the parent's responsibility to spend time with them, quality time with them, and just, you know, um, being able to um, get deep uh, and, and, and to have a conversation mm-hmm. uh, about their feelings. And some worthless feelings, of course, self-esteem is something that can be verbalized by the child, um, saying that they're not as good as everyone else, they're not as good mm-hmm. as their peers, their friends, or they're not as good as when they were in, you know, uh, lower schooling compared to high school's challenges. Um, so they're just kind of degrading themselves, belittling themselves. So you want to make sure you address that that's being addressed. Motivation, interest, energy, they could be um, compromised. They could be lowered. Yeah. Um, yeah Subtle ideations is something that's quite often... Um, you know, it's, it's a it's a scary feeling for the for the parents, for the teachers, for the for the adults to hear a child saying they want to, you know, they're contemplating or having thoughts of um, mm-hmm. ending. Their- you want to be able to encourage that talk and not suppress it. Um, right. It's fear in that, uh, you know, in you that means you know um, you're uncomfortable to talk about it. So at least be able to let them know that they are sources, take them to the right sources. So self-injury right. behaviors are also seen, um, which is um, any um, risky behaviors towards their safety. It could mm-hmm. be, when I, I can elaborate on that, and that could be another talk by itself, but self-injury behaviors, anything that um, 
cutting or scratching or you know um, risky behavior could be drug use any any of those could be self-interest behavior to name a few and yeah. homicidal thoughts wanting to, having thoughts of wanting to hurt people and psychosis could be auditory visual hallucinations or delusions appetite changes appetite fluctuations mm-hmm. these could be decreased and sleep uh, changes these are some and um, with anxiety you could see some muscle tension irritability um, yeah. restless nervous those are some of the overview of of the symptoms that you see in depression and anxiety and Definitely, and they yeah. do have to last for depression at least minimum every day for two weeks without a break and for anxiety at least every day for at least six months mm-hmm. so those are the symptomatology for the parents, for the for the um, loved ones to look um, for. Yeah. So we touched on, we touched on this a little bit um, when you were speaking, but could you talk about like some of the like coping strategies that teens use, um, like like the mature versus like immature coping strategies, and like the ways that teens can try to move towards being more making those like mature choices? Yes, um, so there are um, defense mechanisms that we rate them as um, primitive to mature. And um, there, we are, those defense mechanisms are needed for us in order mm-hmm. to be resilient, in order for us to get through with life, with our setbacks, with challenges. So those defense mechanisms, whether they're prim- primitive or mature, they are but they're needed in different scenarios. They're appropriate for certain scenarios. So um, the ones that we need to bring attention to is the maladaptive type of uh, poor coping strategies. These coping strategies are are usually surfaced in a mindset that is not adjusting to a stressor or triggers. And Mm -hmm. so that could be the substance use, reaching out to alcohol, marijuana, cannabis, you know, other recreational drugs. And, and um, it's also important to know that alcohol is a depressant. It makes your depression worse. It makes you right, right. So you Absolutely. don't want to stay away from drugs if you are having that uh, mindset of uh, you know um, not being able to feel positive. But uh, people gravitate towards that. Um, eating disorders are often seen also as poor coping strategies. Uh, they're developed to just to be able to place control in their lives because they feel mm-hmm. like. They control yeah um, and that could be binging that could be anorexia that could be you know um uh, it was mentioned by miss Wotla about restrictive uh, these are all um coping strategies that are not um enhancing their mental health it compromises them um yeah absolutely the level that um, they need to be eventually placed on medications Self-interest behaviors I mentioned, suicidal thoughts I mentioned are also poor coping strategies, running away, be, runaway behavior. Um, they can't, uh, they're not able to meet up to the, uh, their needs or parents' needs, and um, they're not able to cope with the, the stress. And also high school um, dropout rates are much higher in the people with depression who are not able to cope with their, um, the, the stress. And uh, 
also, uh, we've talked about this earlier uh, regarding screen time. Increasing, mm -hmm. they, they seem to be more absorbed in the so-called friends um, that are online, which are people that they've never met, but they call they they're they're befriending them, and that that seems to be also another increase in um, in the trend with the youth you know, with having maladaptive um, lifestyle coping coping uh, lifestyle. So um, it is important for the parents to be aware of these when they're seeing more of, you know, um, increased screen time than usual that needs to be, uh, red flag needs to come up. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. The, these so are how the exactly would, like, an increase in, like, screen time and social media, like, how would that affect your mental health overall? Well, um, your not in sync well um it does affect for one thing i wanted to mention about balanced lifestyle it's okay to have screen time it's wonderful to have screen time it's wonderful to stay connected with the social media no mm -hmm. doubt about it. here to stay and but you got to have a balance with that uh um the the new uh, the trend you need to have a balance now excessive screen time does affect you to be inactive like mm -hmm. mentioned um making poor choices, um, eating uh, is, is not the best choice when you're absorbed in screen time. I'm talking about screen time could be anything. It could be chatting, it could be video games, it could be internet surfing, whatever. I mean, there's so many different platforms now. So it does affect your activity level, it affects your diet, it affects your relationships, interpersonal relationships, it affects right. your academics, it affects your um, work. Uh, mm -hmm. employed or time yeah. as a youth so it, it it does affect your mental health for that reason because you're compromising so many other functions of yeah. life that that we need to strive toward mm -hmm. so again like teens do um like typically especially today they have lots of different activities that keep them busy and um like you were mentioning earlier a lot of um, like students typically like sleep less um, because of their school and academics. And um, do you think that like sleeping less also contributes to like depression and anxiety? Right. Yeah. And um, I want to mention that screen, increased screen time also affects people's sleep. So we often recommend um, to remove the electronics from uh, from rooms, whether it be adults or whether it's a youth. We often recommend to keep your electronics outside the bedroom because it mm -hmm. does affect uh, the sleep, and sleep is affected, mental health is affected. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, it, yeah. it is important to see how they all kind of merge together and how it could be a detriment to mental health. Uh huh. Yeah. So, are there any gender-specific differences in mental health? Yes, as always, uh, in youth as well as adults, um, there's a there's definitely almost twice the rate of anxiety and depression in, in the girls than the boys mm -hmm. um, that you're going to see. And maybe is it because the boys underreport, or is it just the genetic makeup? Is it just the, chem, you know, the, the brain chemistry? Is it just the way the circuitry, how we're wired, the, the female gender versus the male gender? There are still the juries out uh, on the actual, you know, what it is, I think it's multifactorial, but mm -hmm. it is what it is that females have twice the rate 
of uh, anxiety and depression than than the male gender. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So we touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, mental health overall is considered to be like a taboo subject. And I know that many people like my age feel as though like their mental health isn't a priority, um, mostly because they feel that their feelings are often dismissed um, or like they aren't being validated. And eventually, like, I think it builds up over time and um, it starts leading to those uh, coping, coping mechanisms that we were talking about earlier. So what are some like for the parents listening to our show today? Uh, how can they best support their children and like what advice would you give to them? Well, um, I do want to bring up one topic which I was hoping that um, we'd have time to bring up about COVID and the pandemic mm -hmm. and how that's affected the mental health. Uh, again, yeah. globally, it's mm -hmm. definitely increased the depression, anxiety uh, cases. Um, uh, have been um, skyrocketed than they have been in, in the past uh, um, since the data was collected. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. And the reason being what we all went through together during the pandemic times, just not knowing the, the pathology behind it, not knowing the treatment, the full treatment options, and that re and the physical or social distancing um, that and the layoff from jobs, the financial instability, boy, that put a toll on everyone's mental health. Mm -hmm. And that's important to recognize and how we got out of it. I mean, we're getting out of it. We're not out of it yet. Um, mm -hmm. This implementing a lot of mental health initiatives for these post-pandemic um, population that are still struggling. And um, so our advice with the mental health initiatives for the city and for anyone for that matter is to be able to um, have a balanced, um, when I say balanced life, talking about uh, what uh, Ms. Bortle has, um, also has uh, alluded to earlier, getting good exercise is just not everything but healthy diet, mm -hmm. adequate lifestyle. Um, when I say adequate lifestyle, I'm talking balanced lifestyle with adequate sleep, with good social, positive social interactions. I'd ask the parents and the, and the youth to look into volunteering in team activities or volunteering in general, mm -hmm. uh, activities if they're spiritually inclined, and being with more like-minded you know, people that they're similar with similar interests so they right. can engage in uplifting hobbies and outdoor activities. You, know, you don't have to have a gym membership. You can do daily walks. You can do more outdoor you know, keep the mm -hmm. outdoor light coming into your home, keep the windows open, the, the shutters open. Uh, yoga, meditation is, is definitely, and as well as um, routine exercise do release some chemicals called brain-derived neurotropic factor. Mm -hmm. Helps you to have more positive um, feelings in you. Um, and I can't emphasize enough of in-person activities when possible. Um, if you have not versus Zoom versus in person, try in person if you can. Uh, is is what I would recommend to the to the families. Um, so those are things that, uh, as you as an individual, as a family's responsibilities. Schools also can can take uh, a part in this. 
teachers have opportunities to observe and refer at-risk students to resources. So it's important for the teachers to be aware and educated about the, the signs and symptoms of what we uh, mentioned. And mm -hmm. also educating students. Schools have a role in this too. Uh, it's important for them to educate their students about mental health conditions and also mm -hmm. encourage programs in their schools to engage peer leaders. That means peer to peer, um, but be able to have some peer leaders who have some know-how. They're not experts in this, but at least they know how to refer or, or, or share resources to the, uh, to the to the youth that uh, come up to them with, uh, you know, setbacks or challenges. And lastly, educating parents. We've kind of alluded to that. It starts at home, educating parents and guardians about mental health and mm -hmm. um, suicide risk warning signs are very important. It's a topic that needs to be addressed, just like, you know, sex and drug abuse needs to be addressed at home. Suicide needs to be addressed at home. Mental health needs to be addressed at home. And that's when we can put a strike on the taboo, be able to, you know, put a dent in, yeah. in the taboo. So also I recommend the families to look into reputable resources about mental mm -hmm. health, not mm -hmm. just social media, not just, you know, Facebook, but actual reputable resources. When I say mm -hmm. Facebook, they have good resources. If the, if the, if the, if the parents and if, the, if their peers do quote reputable resources, you know, pursue them. But I, I, I hear so much about not uh, very valid um that are being, you know, entertained, which is right. to the best uh, advantage to the to the families and just right. families talking at home um, is, is very important. And then there's this new 988 um, new suicide uh, crisis line that mm -hmm. got into this year. So it's yeah. important to know your uh, your resources, being able to pick up the phone, being able to talk readily. Like if if your kid has a temperature, you know what to do automatically. If your uh, child uh, breaks a leg, you know what to do immediately. Well, when, when your child is off, um, not at the baseline, and is, is looking really, you know, uh, out of character and not performing to their baseline, then you need to know what to do. And that's mean, that means being educated. Educate yourself and know these medications possibilities are there and psychotherapy modalities are there, various psycho, uh, psychotherapy uh, options are there for the parents. So it's so important that they know this and feel comfortable. First, foremost, they, the parents and the teachers have to feel comfortable in order to help the youth. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah and uh, for sure. I, I can't emphasize enough of how much, uh, how many children are being undiagnosed and the consequences that are, that we as community are experiencing because our children are being, uh, are not getting the care First, they're, they're not getting diagnosed. And uh, when they do get yeah. diagnosed, they're not getting the treatment. Yeah, so, absolutely. Well, I think many teens who like who do have these mental health issues, not only do they fail to recognize them, um, but then again, like they go, they probably like go into adulthood with these like unresolved childhood trauma and issues. And like how will going undiagnosed for so long like affect us in the long run? But, um, I'm going to read some stat statistics, and what you said is true, very true. Because you know, um, you're at your form, uh, form, 
formative years as a child. And then if you don't get that taken care of, you will evolve into an adult who's not adjusted well. And yeah. that affects the whole, you know, the community as a whole. Is it, and that individual is an expense to the community. And mm -hmm. so one in five children with mental disorders actually receive treatment. So the mm -hmm. other four don't. And when the other four don't, then they're a cost to the community. So 50% of juveniles, uh, detainees in uh, juvenile detention center have untreated mental illness. 50% of juveniles yeah. are, mm -hmm. uh, who are detained have mental illness. Untreated children are likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely. At least 50% of the children with a serious emotional disturbance, uh, they don't um, successfully complete high school. Right. And, um, and now to, to cap it off, suicide is now the leading cause of death for persons from age 10, get that 10, wow. to yeah. the, the mid, um, until 20 mid 20s mm -hmm. so there's a lot of negative sequelae that can be avoided if mental illness is is, is um, treated first being educated about it and then uh, getting the treatment so this is a cost to us and this definitely is yeah yeah so um i know earlier we were talking about like mental health resources and to make sure to like First, like, again, it starts with family, but what are some um, other, like, resources you would think that teens could kind of reach out to and get more help? So I, I would say kids are in school most of their, you know, day, daytime hours, and mm -hmm. they come home till, at some, till eight or nine mm -hmm. with the extracurricular activities. So I, we have created a, 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 a toolkit for the the, the city of San Antonio um, mm -hmm. implemented a, a toolkit for the for some of the school districts that has to do with um, resources for the teachers, for the parents, and for and for the um, the, the, the students. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, I think it's important to be um, aware of that toolkit. I think it's important to be aware of the nine eight eight number. I think mm -hmm. it's important to know about your local resources and national level, uh, NAMI or American uh, AFSP, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, National Alliance for Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they're national, but they have chapters in their local uh, cities. Right. That, um, uh, be able to tap into in order to get the, um, the mental health um, um, you know, services. And right. that could support groups and could be in person or virtual support groups mm -hmm. uh, so there's a wide variety of um, resources that we have locally and nationally and there's right. also apps but I would ask you to use um, you know caution when you're using apps there are a few quite a few legit apps um, that helps you with uh, coping strategies with sleep uh, with diet and with um, exercise, yoga, meditation that are out there. So um, it's um, the apps again go with the personal preference and what their needs are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Dr. Rao, that was a that was a lot of information that we um, covered today. So in a few like words, could you like give our audience like a good summary or a few uh, like some advice about what we talked about in our show today? 
Yes, sure. So um, the most important thing is to know that they are uh, children that are going undiagnosed. Um, when I say undiagnosed um, in, in mental illnesses, um, so their mental health is something that we need to take charge of, um, mm -hmm. help them to take charge of that um, and being able to um, know that they are uh, resources um, within themselves in their mm -hmm. family as well as out in the community um, that it's important that the parents and the children have a conversation about this yeah. about mental health about um, the treatment that comes uh, with mental illnesses that we have it um, but it, they need to be utilized we do have them and it's not always easy to navigate through the mental health uh, resources but they are um, uh, social workers, there are therapists that can help them navigate through it. There's psychiatrists that can help them navigate through it. So there's there's ample resources just knowing and feeling comfortable to tap into those. And, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rao, for coming to our show and sharing so much information um, about mental health with us today. I think um, it's a topic that it sh should be talked about a lot more than it is right now. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I want to thank uh, Telugu NRI Radio and Amrita for organizing this program today, especially you know, on this topic on team health. It's invaluable. And as youth is our future, uh, I just believe, I think it's wonderful that we're investing uh, in, their, in, in their health. So thank you for um, putting this together. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Rao.